0: Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Cascali Ribocyclob 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Cascali is right for you. Davis steps under center. Gibson and McClendon behind it. Davis with motion by Richard. will get the ball to McClendon. He oh, he doesn't get in. He fumbled the football. Spot, kick away, high it up, long enough. It's good! It's good! Carolina has won the game on a 42-yard field goal by freshman Connor Byrd. Good gosh darn it. This is the Heel Tough Blog. Hey guys, and welcome to another edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It's your host, Anthony Pagnotta, with you guys as always. And today, it is time to get you ready for Fall Camp 2023 for the North Carolina Tar Heels. Today was reporting day. Tomorrow, the first day of practice As the Tar Heels steam towards their season opener right down the road from where I'm actually recording this podcast in Bank of America Stadium in Charlotte on September 2nd. Primetime game for the Tar Heels. And uh, they have the next month to be able to get ready for it. I'm going to tell you the three storylines that I'm keeping an eye on going into the festivities that start tomorrow. Also, we'll take a look at where Carolina stacks up in the ACC preseason polls. Those were just released earlier today. Is this kind of where we expected Carolina to be? Or, you know, is Carolina being a little disrespected? Are they, you know, being you know hyped up a little bit? What do you think about that? I'll talk about that a little bit. And then we're also going to take a look at some guys that landed on a couple of watch lists. Three different Torrio players that are on preseason award watch list. You can probably guess two of them. The third one. Maybe not, but we'll tell you about that as well. But first, we have to take a look at the Tar Heels' latest commitment on the recruiting trail, and it comes in the 2025 cycle. It is the Tar Heels' second commitment of the 2025 class, and it's in the form of three-star athlete, Gus Ritchie. Now, this is a guy that Carolina has been on for a while, really burst onto the scene as a freshman, started every game of his freshman season at Northwood High School, just down the road from Chapel Hill in Pittsburgh, North Carolina. And he's a guy that he's been to a lot of these camps. He's really performed well. And the Tar Heel staff did a tremendous job of jumping on him early. And he ends up committing today. Really cool commitment as well on the Noon Dish podcast. That's one of Inside Carolina's podcast uh, with Tommy Ashley. Don Callahan was on there with him today as well. And that was uh, really cool to see. And for Carolina, you know, we we talked about the struggles. Me and Zach Hubbard, we talked about the struggles of Carolina in state in 2024, in the 2024 cycle, that is. And we really said we hope that they can turn it around in this cycle. They did. They landed a couple of guys uh, inside the top 10, Malcolm Ziggler and uh, just the other day, four-star wide receiver Alex Taylor, also another guy inside the top 15 in Jordan Ship. So it saved them from what looked like it could be a bad year of recruiting in the state of North Carolina well this class they're off to a really really good start they have more than made up for it Um, they've landed the top quarterback in this class uh, from the state of North Carolina this past class in 2024 Jaden Davis goes out of state to Michigan they don't let that happen a second time they got Bryce Baker about a month ago, and now Carolina keeps one of... The better edge rushers that are going to be in this uh, in this class uh, in state, and you know, a guy that's as I said rated as a three star, we'll see where he ultimately ends up finishing. Rivals does have him as a four star, um, but still a guy that is pretty highly regarded this early to even be ranked. Uh, you remember a lot of the guys that Carolina was landing in the twenty twenty four cycle early on. A lot of those guys weren't ranked when Carolina was landing them earlier this spring so for Gus Ritchie to be a guy that's already on a lot of these boards in the 2025 class already have a rating a pretty good sign for him that means a lot of people have seen him um, and he's a guy that I think has a tremendous upside when you look at him as a prospect guy that played both sides of the ball that's why he's listed as an athlete but as I mentioned he's got a little bit of an experience edge on the defensive side of the ball he did start both uh, years of his high school career so far at defensive end for the Chargers of Northwood High School um, and and look you know he's, he's an impactful guy I mean, this past year 61 total tackles uh 21 and a half tackles for loss and 10 and a half sacks so a guy that's going to make an impact there's no doubt about that and I think that Carolina kind of needs what he brings to the table you know just initially watching him he's a guy that does a great job of finding ways to shed blocks and make plays and that's what Carolina's really lacked on the defensive line Really, since 2019, when you had Aaron Crawford, you had Jason Strobridge, guys that were playing an unbelievable amount of reps. And really, since both of those guys departed campus, it has been a struggle to find guys that can consistently get off of blocks. Uh, you know, for me personally, I'm a guy that you know wanted more consistency out of Tamon Fox, and now looking back. You know, I honestly say to myself, we we could use a guy like that. What he brought to the table desperately on this team. Um, so you know, it's it's obvious that there are some guys that you know performed well, but even still, as I mentioned with Tamon Fox, the consistency just wasn't there. You've seen it from guys that are currently on the roster right now, including his brother, um, but mainly some of the guys that played significant snaps a year ago while Tamari Fox was suspended. Um, you, you know, guys like. Miles Murphy, who was expected to have a big year this past year, didn't happen. Um, guys like you know, Javari Ritzy, who played a lot last year, who played well, but there were times where he would just disappear in games. And even Kamen Rucker really like what Kamen Rucker has brought to the table. I think he's a guy that should play a lot more, but Carolina needs a guy that can consistently get into the backfield and and make plays. And I think that's what you see in Gus Ritchie because, look, there's been guys that have done that before. If you just look at the production, you could say, well, you know, guys like Curtis Simpson, who's coming in in this this year's class, in the 2024 class, very productive at Kings Mountain High School this past year, if you just look at the statistics. Same thing with Malachi Hamrick when he came out of high school. There is a distinct difference between those guys and Gus Ritchie, though. It's six... Three, two hundred and thirty pounds. He's not the most stout player, but he he definitely has a really solid frame and one that you can probably add to. And he plays a little bit differently. He is athletic. You could see it there. Of course, it shows up more in his offensive tape. And you know, this past year when he was there as a tight end, he had thirty-one catches for four hundred and ninety-five yards and six touchdowns. But you know he—he is a guy. I I know there are some sites that list him as a tight end. It just to me that athleticism that he has, I think fits more at the defensive end spot. He's not a freak. Athlete. He's not a guy that's going to wow you with his speed. He's not going to blow by offensive tackles because he's just that quick. But he's got a good release off the line of scrimmage. I think that first step, uh, he does a really good job of setting himself up for success. I think he, you know, from watching his film, he does a good job of not allowing tackles hands to get inside on him um, and and I think that that's something that's important you know Carolina has been pushed around a lot because you know teams have been able to uh, get good hand placement on these guys and really just drive them out of the box you, you don't see that. In when you watch Guts Ritchie, uh, he's a guy that's impactful both in the run game and in the pass game. So not really a specialist at either one. I think he's got the ability to impact it both ways. And you know, I, I think when you watch him, there isn't a ton of physicality that he is faced with. But I think he handles the physicality well, and I think he can dish it out a little bit. I don't think it's his biggest strength. Clearly, he's not a guy that's just going to be mauling people and overpowering them. Sort of like, you know, if you go back and watch a guy like Travis Shaw's film or some of the other guys that Carolina has on the interior of that defensive line when they were coming out of high school, this is a little bit different, and you would expect nothing less with him being only 230 pounds. But I like the mindset that I see from him, and I think if he was to add that weight in the weight room, if he was to add a little bit more muscle, he's a guy that could play and succeed um, with being a guy that's a more physical pass rusher that doesn't have to rely on the speed that we see from some of the guys that Carolina has along that defensive line. So a very promising prospect, a guy that, as I said, he's rated as a three-star. I really think there's a ton of upside to him, and I think he's only going to continue to grow as a prospect. Aspect. I mean, look, the thing is, is he doesn't play the greatest level of competition in the state. I think at this point, you know, when it comes to the state of North Carolina, there's so many teams that are considered 4A uh, with, you know, the, the recent reclassifications that if you don't play in 4A, the level of competition, there there's there's a pretty big separation between uh, 4A and 3A I really believe, though, that this is a guy that is still going to find a way to be impactful. I still think, you know, I remember seeing him last year. Now, this was, you know, when he was a freshman, just after his freshman season. Uh, I remember seeing him at a camp where I went there to watch a lot of other targets that the Tariels had in the 2023 class and came away impressed with him. That was one of the first guys that I sort of circled. I wrote down his number, eventually figured out later on who he was and said, got to keep an eye on this guy. And then when you find out that he's an in-state prospect, you find out that Carolina is in good standing with them, uh, it really makes sense you know, why Carolina went after him so hard. And I think the ceiling is there for him. It can only continue to grow uh, over these next couple of years. And I really believe he's a guy that Carolina uh, is excited to have in that room. And it's another win on the recruiting trail early on for Tim Cross. You may be saying, well, who, who did he beat out this early? Are there really some big-time contenders? I will say this, he beats out NC State, of course, in-state. Same thing with Duke. The one that was there that Richie had taken a couple of visits to that it seemed like at one point he had you know, pretty high on his list is Notre Dame. So for Carolina to get this commitment, at least at this point, and they, look, long way to go. They're going to have to do their work to hang on to it. This is a promising start for the Tar Heels. And now, again, very early a lot more guys will get ranked as we go along here. Carolina at this point has two of the top 10 recruits in the state of North Carolina in this upcoming class with Baker and Richie there. As I mentioned coming in, Carolina in the 2024 cycle, they went into June 16 or excuse me, July 16th just a couple of weeks ago without a commitment In their 2024 class inside the top 15 in the state of North Carolina, according to 24-7 sports. Now you've already got two. I don't think Baker's going to drop that far, so that's going to at least secure you one inside the top 10. And for Gus Ritchie, I think that's a guy that probably, you know, as it goes along, especially if he continues to improve, he could hold on to being a, you know, that that top 10 rating. If not, I, I find it hard to believe he falls outside of the top fifteen. So, Carolina, it, it, what a start for this staff! You know, I, I think some people were wondering, and you know, there's been some chatter uh, locally, and, and, and you know, there was an article written in the Charlotte Observer uh, here recently by Langston Works Jr., who does a tremendous job covering this area, who wrote an article wondering why are guys leaving the state of North Carolina at the rate that they are. And for Carolina to come out, land two commitments from two of the top players in the state early on, and really set the precedent of, hey – we're the team to beat in the state of North Carolina still. I think that is huge for this team. Now, As I mentioned, Carolina getting ready to begin fall camp starting tomorrow. The players did report today to camp. Uh, so a ton going on on that front uh, in terms of the upcoming season. And look, there are a lot of big-time storylines. I'm going to have an article uh, that takes a look at the five players that I think you need to watch as we go into fall camp and there are a lot of very entertaining battles that will be going on that have carried over from the spring but I'm going to tell you the three storylines that I'm looking forward to the most here in spring number one and I know Mac Brown talked about this when he was out at ACC Media Days, and he feels confident. And I feel like a lot of Toriel fans are probably wanting to be reserved. And when I say that, you probably know the direction that I'm heading in. And that is, what does this defense look like for Carolina as they head into this season? They're going to have to come out. I, I To me, I, I think you're going to have to see market improvement in the first game of the season. I get it. South Carolina is going to be undergoing an offensive coordinator change of their own just like Carolina is. But it's still a team that has a quarterback that is starting to get respect once again after you know he had to transfer from Oklahoma. He struggled a little bit with consistency early on last year. And, look, that could still be there for Spencer Radler, but, look, I mean, you're facing a Tar Heel defense if you're Spencer Rattler. That the last time that you saw that Tar Heel defense, you know, they they gave up, you know, a game winning drive to Oregon. Now, they didn't look terrible in that game, but still, they, they had, you know, a penalty in that fourth quarter and you saw things unravel against Clemson. You saw the subtle change going from. Uh, D.J. Uyunglele to Cade Klubnick, and Carolina completely fell apart. You saw you know, a four-string quarterback tear that defense apart uh, in state, and then you saw basically Georgia Tech two weeks before Clemson did it do the exact same thing at quarterback, change mid-game, and completely throw the Tar Heels off. So there is a lot that has to you know, be done before I feel like a lot of people are going to buy into this Tar Heel defense. I've seen a lot of people nationally that have said this is going to be one of the worst units in the country yet again this year. At this point, there's no reason to have hope. I know Josh Pate was pretty much saying that on his podcast, the Late Kick podcast, over on 24-7 Sports, when somebody asked him a question about you know, the Tar Heels just being average defensively. And that's the... That that's pretty much the mindset most people are taking towards this. But just from you know talking to some people at ACC Media Days, uh, just you know hearing Mac Brown talk about it, it really does feel like there is a different belief in this defense this year. They feel like year two under Gene Shizik, they are going to be able to take a step forward. Last year, you know Gene returning to the college game after six years off. I, we wondered this at the time and it feels like you know from what i've heard this is what is what ended up happening that he just the game was different he had not he had not done what he needed to to adjust to the game and 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 look he, he i'm not saying that he should have he was in analyst mode you know he he to be honest with you i don't know if he ever envisioned himself coming back to coaching especially especially you know early on right after he Had decided to step away at Carolina uh, back in 2016, so I think you know Carolina this year. You're you're going to have a game plan that I think is going to fit the modern day a a lot better. It's going to counteract some of the things that. Uh, These offenses are throwing at them, which last year it felt like they were just kind of back on their heels and just hoping that playmakers would make plays. It also feels like there's a confidence with the rest of the coaching staff that they can get done. Year two under Charlton Warren with the safeties, uh, really just the defensive backs as a whole. Um, You'll also have Jason Jones who will be in there coaching up the cornerbacks, which I think probably is a better fit than Dre Bly back there in terms of a teacher. We've seen him do it before at the college level. His track record is very proven. Uh, And then I think you know on the defensive front, really at this point it's just put up or shut up. I don't know if the team's really going to be doing anything different up front uh, you still got Gene Chiswick's scheme. He's never been a guy that's really uh, been super aggressive when it's come to you know stunts and everything like that. I will say this: you saw some more blitzes later in the season. I think there are going to continue uh, to be more blitz more blitzes the uh, this year. Uh, at, you know, kind of like what we saw under Jay Bateman when this defense was successful in parts of 2019 and 2020. Um, but I think you'll you'll also you know see. There's some guys that just have to step up and maybe playing a little bit more desperate to keep their spots moving forward along that defensive front. I think it's put up or shut up time for you know just about everybody up there, including the coach of the unit, Tim Cross. This is his time where he has to find some creative solutions because right now, this defensive line is one of the worst in all of college football. And when you factor in the type of talent that Carolina has down there judging off of their recruiting rankings. I mean, he he's, you know, one of the, I mean, honestly, it's one of the biggest failures in the entire country going right now amongst position coaches. So he has to get it turned around. It'll be interesting to see what this group can do. And I'm going to be, you know, interested to hear what Mac Brown has to say as we move further and further along In fall camp, you know, was it that the defense really did step up or was it a case of, hey, the offense was still having to learn some things under Chip Lindsey and all of a sudden there are some concerns that start coming out from Mac Brown? Don't know how honest they'll be with us. But I, I really am intrigued to see how that works out. The other thing I'm intrigued by, look, Carolina, I, you know, I won't go with the entire offensive scheme because I think it'd be easy. You know, just talked about what this defense can do. Um, I, I think you look at the running back room, and one of the biggest things that Carolina is going to have to do differently this year is is run the football a little bit better than they did a year ago. When Carolina's offense was at a, at its best under Phil Longo, it was because they ran the hell out of the football. You go back to that 2020 season, that offense was just at a different level. That was an even better offense than the one that Larry Fedora's squad had at times during that 2015 season, which is revered as the best offensive season in a lot of people's minds in program history. But you had two running backs that were near the top of the country. They, they were running backs that were being talked about in the same ilk with the type of production that they had with guys like Reggie Bush and Lendell White. That's that's no small feat. And the last few years, you know, we, we talked about it when we were previewing the running backs, me and Josh. You, you look, you had Ty Chandler. The production was there, but at times it was inconsistent. He had no help behind him. Uh, so pretty much everything was on his shoulders meaning that the rushing attack was him and then Sam Howell having to do the majority of the rushing on the ground in 21 last year, ton of injuries that's definitely something that played a factor in it, but still you were never able to have somebody really settle into that starting role and just kind of run with it until the end of the year and that's the thing that I'm interested to see. Mack Brown says look, we want to run with three running backs this year we think that's what's best for the room is to have a three-man rotation really two that'll lead the way and a third that can chip in from time to time and I think you've kind of got your two guys now my thing is is that What does it look like behind those two guys, and can the guys that are expected to be the starters, Elijah Green and Amari and Hampton, stay healthy? The battle for the third running back is an incredibly intriguing one. You've got British Brooks, who is a seventh-year senior, a guy that did really good things for the Tar Heels when he was carrying the load down the stretch of the 2021 season, also was the team's starting running back, if you'll remember, back to that Orange Bowl game, so He's provided some production here and there. Promising guy, a a, a guy that Carolina definitely wanted to keep around as a leader of their special teams unit. But he's looked at as somebody that Mac Brown trusts, and is he a guy that's going to get that third running back spot? Guys that'll be battling him? Well, you got Caleb Hood, who middle of last year, uh, did some really good things when he was in a starting role uh, he you know not only ran the football pretty well during that stretch but also caught the ball out of the backfield very well. Uh, Actually led the team in receiving amongst running backs despite only playing in seven games last season. Biggest thing for him is can he stay healthy? He was still banged up, uh, still recovering, actually, from the injury that he suffered, the shoulder injury that he suffered in the middle of last season. Uh, And, you know, now he's kind of Trying to figure out what his role is going to be in this running back room—is there still one there for him, or has he been passed over by some of the guys on this depth chart? Uh, and then you, you've got George Petaway, who might be the most talented of anybody in this entire room. When you go back to his high school film, probably would be the perfect change of pace guy. You see, you know Elijah Green, a guy that's you know came in was really a guy that utilized his speed that was how he got on the field but he's changed his running style he's taken more of a downhill approach and I think it's working out great for him Amorian Hampton kind of that mix of speed and power we saw it you know a lot of comparisons for him coming out of high school to Javante Williams uh, and, and then you've got British Brooks another guy that's shown you he can get downhill and yeah uh, I, I, Caleb Hood definitely fits that mindset as well there's not really that guy that has great speed and I think that could be George Petaway you give him the opportunity as well uh, at the you know it, as a receiver out of the backfield maybe even put him a little bit in the slot he is more than capable of impacting the game there He did it at the high school level I think there's a really good chance he could do that for Carolina this year they just have to give him the opportunity and for Carolina One of the things that they've got to really balance here is trying to find a way to keep the right talent in place. British Brooks is a guy that, yeah, he's been a big part of what you've done. But if you feel like George Petaway is somebody that could be looking to possibly transfer because he doesn't like his spot on uh, the depth chart... You, you really have to sit down and try to figure out if that's what's best for you long-term. Is Petaway a guy that um, is, is too big of a prospect to sort of let walk away? Um, is there too much upside to him? Does he bring you too much value on special teams? I mean, I'd be absolutely stunned if he is not the kick returner at the start of the year with how productive he was late last year. Probably the best that Carolina's had back there returning kicks since Anthony Ratliff-Williams left campus. And to be honest with you, with the consistency, See that he did it. It might be since TJ Logan left campus, so they've got to try to figure that out. It'll be interesting to see how they juggle that for a running back room that, look, if they can run the ball better this year, first of all, you're going to keep your quarterback from having to run for nearly 700 yards. Yeah, it could help him in the pursuit of a Heisman, but Puts him at risk. He's not a guy that uh, should be, you know, carrying the ball as many times as he did a year ago. He shouldn't be your leading rusher again this season. Um, and at the same time, you know, it also is going to help out, you know, that offensive line. It's going to take pressure off of them from having to pass protect, uh, which you know has has been a big issue for them the last two years. And it's also going to help another unit that has struggled, that defense that we talked about. The defense will be on the field a little bit less. It'll shorten some of the games. How much it really does, I know people will argue that, but look, when you're handing that football off and that clock is ticking, it really does have an effect. It keeps your defense on the sideline, allows them to get a little fresher, and allows you to keep your best players out there more often, and that's what Carolina is ultimately wanting to do. The final storyline that I am looking forward to here in camp is, is the wide receivers and who really steps up and becomes Drake May's number one option. There are a lot of really good targets that Carolina has amongst the pass catchers, but specifically that wide receiver room that people are now starting to question. I've heard this over the last couple of weeks, and to be honest with you, it's kind of left me scratching my head. I've heard multiple people tell me um, you know, or, or tell our station over here at WFNZ that, They believe that Carolina is going to have trouble replacing Josh Downs and Antoine Green. And look, on the surface, that's not really that ludicrous of a statement. You're talking about two guys that were incredibly productive the last two years. Both guys uh, nearly 800 yards receiving. Antoine Green fell just short of that last year. Back-to-back 1,000-yard receiving seasons for Josh Downs. That's going to be tough to replace, no doubt about it. But the group of transfers that they brought in, that duo – they're highly respected for a reason. You're talking about two of the better pickups of wide receivers in this transfer portal cycle uh, for the Tar Heels. You've got J- Devontae Walker, a guy that, I get it, coming up from a, a Group of Five conference uh, out of Kent State. Um, I, it, it's going to be you know a little bit of an adjustment for him playing Power Five competition every single week. But he played three Power 5 games a year ago. Wasn't great against Oklahoma, but the other two... Performed well against Washington, 56 yards and a touchdown in that game, and performed very well against Georgia, where he had over uh, over 100 yards receiving, had one touchdown, and really turned on the Jets in a highlight reel play uh, that's been playing all offseason over and over again when you watch uh, his highlight tape or any breakdown of what he brings to the table. And then you've got Nate McCullum, a guy that has done it at Georgia Tech, did it in an offense that clearly wasn't set up to throw the football the way that Carolina's is. And I I think now, you know, going to an offense that's going to utilize him a little bit more out of that slot, a lot of people think he could be set up for a thousand yards receiving and I, there were a lot of people, I believe, both of those guys that I just talked about could have big years. That doesn't even bring into the picture a guy that is still back from last year that I just don't think enough people are talking about. And I've you know, heard, I've talked to some more people, and it seems like Kobe Pesor is at least going to be given the chance to start the season on the outside. Um, last year, played in the slot when Josh Downs went out, And, you know, did some good things for Carolina there, uh, I would say. I mean, three uh, games that he started last year, all three of them, he uh, led them in receiving. So with that, you then turn around, and now he's going to get an opportunity to get more looks. He's the guy that Drake May is most familiar with out of that big trio. I I think he could be set up to have a really, really good year. And i got to be honest, I don't know if it should come as a shock to you if he ends up leading this team in receiving. Uh, I, I think certainly that that would be a bit of an upset, but I really do think that everything is there. The talent, the skill set is there for him to succeed in the slot, on the outside. I, I think he's going to have a sneaky big year for the Tar Heels this year, and it's what they need. It's it's re- It really is. If they can have three different receivers that can be a threat... It'll probably be the deepest wide receiving core that Carolina has had since that 2015 season where there are just so many different options for Carolina. So that's going to be interesting to watch. Uh, I think, you know, also when you talk about the pass catchers in there, guy that may be his most frequent target early on in the year could be Bryson Nesbitt. Um, and that tight end room, you talk about one of the things that you should be keeping an eye on. I mean, maybe you're keeping an eye on it at some of these scrimmages that you go to right before the season starts. But early in the year, that tight end room, I know they have a changing coach there, John Lilly going and coaching the Carolina Panthers. Now you've got Freddie Kitchens in there. There's just too much talent in that room right now. I think they are set up to have a massive season. Those are the three things that I'm keeping my eye on as we head into fall camp. Now let's talk real quickly about the preseason ACC poll that was revealed earlier today. And to be honest with you, not really shocked at all. This is Kind of how I voted. At least the top three. Further down, not quite. But uh, I was, you know, out there at ACC Media Days. They do send, since I'm a credentialed member, they do send me a ballot uh, as well as Josh, who's out there as well, and everybody here at WFNZ. And so I filled mine out, and I put Clemson number one, Florida State number two, and Carolina number three. And that's exactly how it ended up. Carolina gets five first place votes, uh, but pretty safely in that third spot. And I think that's kind of the consensus on Carolina. I think a lot of people really believe in Drake May. Um, there are a good amount of people, just from talking to people out there, that believe that this offense is still going to be pretty dynamic, even with the change in coordinator and the guys that do depart. It's that defense. And it, that's why that that quote from Mac Brown, talking about the defense taking a step this year, the defense being good this year – is getting so much attention. But I think, you know, if, if Carolina, they, them as the biggest threat to those two, I think, is 100% right because you've got the quarterback to do it. I think, you know, it's, it's all about can this group of talent on the defensive side of the ball, can they finally find a way to break out? That's both on the defensive front and in the defensive backfield. If they can do that, I think Carolina has a legitimate chance to make a run at one of these two teams. Florida State's got a difficult schedule. I know they play, you know, they they do play LSU and Clemson early in the year. And you would say, okay, even if they lose those two games, is Carolina going to basically then have to run the table? or only pick up one loss in conference play to get there. The thing is, is look, if they get off to a two and two start, there could be, you know, some people that are a little bit nervous and angry with the start, uh, considering the expectations that they have for Florida state this year. You never really know there could, that, that, that could lead to, you know, some slip ups along the way. And Carolina could be the team that could be right there to possibly capitalize. But, you know, for Carolina, they they have to find a way to fire on all cylinders. This cannot be like last year. You're going to have to start the year strong and finish the year strong. Last year, they did the first part. They didn't do that second part. And with how the schedule is built this year, it's crucial. The middle part of that schedule is where you get to pick up those wins that you are expecting to have. You have three straight home games in the middle there. Toughest one of them will be Miami, but that's a team that you've had a lot of success with uh, You know, since they joined the ACC. And, you know, at the start, you've got a, what Mac Brown has said is the most difficult four-game stretch that he's ever coached to begin the year, South Carolina, App State at home, Minnesota at home, and then on the road at Pittsburgh. And then you close the season with three incredibly difficult games against Duke at home, who is a team that's trending in the right direction. You love having that one at home. But then you got to travel on the road to Clemson, team that you've had a ton of trouble with uh, not only you know in recent years but historically you got to go down there to a place where no one has really had success in beating them and then you have to go on the road to NC State a place where you really haven't had a lot of success against a team that unfortunately you've struggled against the last few years so for Carolina, I think third is is perfectly right for them. I think they're in prime position to capitalize. And I think you know even if Carolina does end up finishing third, yeah, you you would probably feel pretty good about where Carolina is at moving forward. Would you feel like you wasted an opportunity with a quarterback as special as Drake May? Well, that's a conversation you'd have to have. There's no doubt about that. But I think that, you know, people are nationally, I know, and really just here locally, some of the other fan bases are trying to say that they're expecting a year similar to what we saw in 2021. I don't see that happening. I think there's just way too much talent here. I think, you know, you've got a team that's going to be much better coached than that one uh, a few years ago. But I, I do think that Carolina, in order for them to get into the ACC championship game again, and it looks like the team has the right right mindset. Drake May has said, look, this is ACC championship or bust, but in order to really get back to Charlotte, I think Carolina is going to have to start fast, finish fast. And really show everybody in the country that they learned from their mistakes of a year ago. A couple of guys that are on some watch list uh, that were named during this week. You have uh, uh, yesterday Drake May named to the Maxwell Award watch list. Really the first of many for Drake. Uh, you expect he'll he'll be on a lot of those. Uh, both at, you know at the quarterback position as well as just uh, you know offensive players and most valuable overall players, uh, including the. Heisman Trophy watch list, uh, which uh, right now, still a guy that's inside the top 10 in Vegas in terms of betting odds. Drew Little, named to the Patrick Manley Award watch list. That's the one you may not have known about. That one probably a little bit shocking, but uh, that is the long snapper award. Guy that's been there for a few years now, uh, actually enters his senior year. It's really hard to believe that he is already a senior, uh, but has done some really good things for Carolina, covering punts uh, over the past couple of years. And then the one today that was named, you knew this was coming as well, Cedric Gray named to the Bronco Nagurski Trophy watch list. And uh, it makes a ton of sense. He's a guy that was as impactful as any defensive player in the country last year, Uh, was uh, second in the country in total tackles, third in solo tackles, and you expect him to have a very similar uh, input again this year on the Tar Heels' defensive success. You're hoping it can be a little bit more successful. Maybe he doesn't have to rack up nearly as many tackles at the defensive front can step up, but still a guy that's going to be extremely productive and a guy that, don't look now, starting to get a little bit of draft hype for next season in terms of him being you know selected in the first two days of the draft. He decided to stay in school this year. A lot of people thought he probably would have been a third-day pick But now, starting to trend towards being a day two uh, pick in in next year's draft. So, definitely something that is worth watching moving forward. So, that's going to wrap it up for this edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. Hey guys, make sure you head over to the website, heeltoughblog.com. we got a bunch of stuff up there for you guys. An article that I wrote earlier today. Did not discuss that here on the podcast, but single game tickets are on sale. Carolina, two sellouts already. Before single game tickets even went on sale the App State game and the Duke game already sold out for this upcoming season so uh, a tremendous job by Tar Heel fans uh, it's you know look 2019 2021 they had sellouts across the board for all their home games looks like they're setting up to have a chance to do that once again this year but the focus right now should be on making sure that you were in the stadium on September 2nd against the South Carolina Gamecocks if you didn't see it Pete Thamel called out Tar Heel fans Expects there to be seventy-five percent South Carolina fans. That's at least a game day, uh, but a lot of people expecting that it will be very similar inside the stadium. So go read the article that I put up about you know this Toriel fan base, and it's time to step up. You know there is a challenge being issued, and it's time to officially step up, show up for your team in Charlotte. It's not that far away. I get that it's closer to Columbia, but that's no excuse. There are a ton of Tar Heel alumni here in the Charlotte area, and it's time for them to show up and give us a better showing than we saw back in 2019 when Mac Brown was coming back and South Carolina's program was heading in the other direction. This needs to be a better showing this time around with a team that has a chance to be really, really good for a second straight year with a quarterback that is generational that you may not see again for a long, long time. In Chapel Hill. And make sure you guys also check out the commitment breakdown of Gus Richie, who we talked about earlier on in this edition of the podcast. Go back, uh, check out the in depth scouting report that I have on him. You guys don't want to miss that. Also, in terms of fall camp, we will have an article going up uh, giving you a look at the five players that I think you need to watch for this year's fall camp. And we'll also have the continuation of our position previews here as we get through uh, this hectic time that Carolina's had on the recruiting trail, a bunch of on-the-field news as well, and, of course, ACC Media Days. We'll get back to the grindstone on those position previews for you guys. Tweet back out the ones that we have already put up so that you guys don't miss any of those great reads that get you ready for this season and really dive deep into what the Tar Heel roster looks like this year. So... That does it again for this edition of the podcast. Want to thank you guys for listening. And as always, go Tar Heels. coming up. We look forward to you being a part of the Heal Tough Blog podcast family moving forward, and thank you once again for listening to this edition. Whether it's audiobooks or all-time greatest hits, long live listening to your favorites. Learn more about Kaskali Ribocyclib 200 milligrams at KISQALI.com and talk to your doctor to see if Kaskali is right for you.